Hey, I'm Andrew Hales. Welcome to another edition of Chatting With. I'm here with a feminist. How are you? <laughs> uh, Christina Hoff Summers. Yes. What does it mean to be a feminist? Well, it means various things. It depends on whom you ask. I guess what's your definition? Well, I am an equity feminist. And an equity feminist is someone who wants fairness, equality for men and women, equal liberty. Hmm. Uh, however, there are other styles of feminists that believe that American women are an oppressed class held down by a patriarchal male hegemony and that it's not enough to reform the culture, you sort of have to overthrow the major institutions and change them radically. And I just don't see that that's necessary. It seems to me that a more moderate, you know, sort of incremental feminism has not, not only worked, it's a glorious success. Right, right. Do you have haters? People who hate me? Yeah, well, does Oh, I do. <laughs> like, I have, I don't know how many Twitter followers I have. The last I looked, I don't know, 260,000 or something. Mm. Maybe 60,000 of those are hate followers. So anytime I say anything that's, that you know, opens me up to criticism, they're already, you know, attacking mm. me. So what, I have do, to be, what do they usually criticize? They don't well, think you're radical enough? I'm not radical enough. Hmm. And so in the current politics, you are either with them on their you know, mission hmm. to overthrow patriarchy and treat men, I think, very badly. I think they're now doing to men what they say men you know, once did to them or still do to them. In other words, I don't like male chauvinism. I never did. Or male bullies. It's awful. But I don't like female bullies yeah and so that's not the answer the answer to male chauvinism is not female chauvinism the answer is friendship and being nice to each other giving each other a break giving one another the benefit of the doubt hmm. so these words you know mansplaining and manspreading and all that I mean they they're funny I don't mind if it's <laughs> but done in a humorous way hmm. in fact I have a podcast now called femsplainers okay which I'm starting with my best friend Danielle. Cool. But, but what we're going to try to do is just find, restore to feminism fairness and humor. Should everyone be a feminist? Yeah, I think that's what, where we are. If you check, if you look at polls mm -hmm. and you ask people, are you a feminist? Very few Americans say yes. You can get it 25, 26%. Yeah, it doesn't really have a good ring to it. It doesn't have a good ring. And they ask people why not, and they say, well, it's, it's too extreme. That's the number one answer, that it's just too extreme. Mm. Or some will say it's male bashing and so forth. But then they say, well, do you believe in equal pay for equal work? Do you believe men and women should have the same opportunities and be treated this? Yes, yes, yes. Almost everybody says yeah. yes. Every, almost every. It's a, and those numbers have gone up, and the millennials are the least sexist of any generation. So there's a lot to be proud of. And just so much goodness has happened and, and justice for women, but you rarely find these sort of grievance feminists or you know, uh, this outrage <laughs> feminists on, on Tumblr and in, in our universities admitting that. They just go on, they, first they'll just deny it, and they'll say, oh, well, you're a wage gap denier. And you, you they call me names. They called me um, anti-feminist, you know, hmm. uh, backlasher, anti-woman, even a non-woman, someone on Tumblr called, referred to Christina Hoff Summers and Margaret Thatcher, those female impersonators, and they mm. got in trouble for that because they were called out, because you're not supposed to say that anymore. 
which was reassuring to me. So the textbook uh, definition is just person that believes in equal rights yeah. for the sexes. Yeah. By that rationale, everyone should be a feminist. Everyone should be. You 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 might find five percent you know bitter people living <laughs> yeah. living in a cave <clears throat> who would say no, but we have very high. Do you think now that like fathers want less for their daughters and their sons? They don't. Yeah. And and mothers and you know teachers teachers actually favor girls. So what do you think causes radicalism? I think what happened is that there were these very radical feminists, for, and some for good reason, in the early days in this of the second wave, as it's called, in okay. the 70s, let's 70s. say. Okay. And they they were all pretty radical. They came out of the um, anti-Vietnam movement. I was part of that. You you know you. Hmm. It was sort of warmed over Marxism. They came into the universities, and they were very attached to those radical theories. And for whatever reason, they were very angry at the society and angry at men. And there were more reasons to be angry. If you talk to women in their 60s or who were feminists in the in the 1960s, but now they're in their 60s, they they they'll all have stories, you know, about some troglodyte or some terrible thing, and. Uh, so they were in the universities, they were a little angry, there were objective, you know, sort of uh, all sorts of obstacles to women. And so they created these theories about oppression, hmm. borrowing from, from Marxism, yeah. pretty radical theories. And then they, were, they looked for data to support it and they kept thinking they found it. So yeah. they'd see the wage gap and then they'd see that all these women were being battered and all these women were being raped. And, and women were dying of eating disorders and, and so forth. And what I did, at first I thought, that I didn't even think that they were getting their numbers wrong, but then I checked the numbers. Women weren't, so they were claiming, as I wrote in my first book, Who Stole Feminism? You know, 150,000 girls are dying every year from anorexia, nervosa, this eating disorder, disorder, and I think it was Naomi Wolf said it was an illness caused not by nature but by men and pa patriarchal standards of slender beauty. Hmm. Well, it was so wrong. The number was so wildly exaggerated. So I just went to the best source I could find, which is the you know National Center for Health Statistics in the CDC. Hmm. How many girls die every year, or young women, of anorexia? And the numbers were in the hundreds. And they were saying 150,000. I mean, a that's year? a year. Okay. And they believed it. And it was repeated. Gloria Steinem, this iconic feminist, she repeated it in her book. It was in women's studies textbooks. This is just an example. Right. The wage gap. We always hear that for the same work, a woman is paid 73 cents for every dollar a man earns. Well, that's just misleading because mm. what you have to do is look at. That figure, that whatever it is, 26, 27 cent gap, all that is is you take all the men and, the, and all the women working full time and you just look at the average difference. That doesn't take into account relevant factors that determine wages. What jobs are they doing? How long have they been working continuously? What did they study? If they go to, went to college, what did they study? And it's not even enough to know what they studied. What is their subspecialty? Because they'll say, oh no, even women engineers earn less. Yes, the engineers who make the most are those who go into petroleum engineering and electrical engineering, mostly men. 
women tend to go into environmental engineering or bioengineering, they earn less. So, any, and anybody would, if they went into that field, would earn less. But, you know, women, the, um, still one of the leading majors in college for women is education or social sciences. You earn less if you're going to be a social worker than if you study naval architecture. It's mm -hmm. just different. And I assume young women by now, you know, it's, it's not 1950, it's 2018, they know that they could earn more as a, a, a you know, a, a petroleum engineer and, and they make that choice. So once you factor in all the relevant differences, what happens to the gap, it narrows to the point of vanishing. Now some studies will find five or six cents that can't be explained, not 23 cents. So that's mm. bogus, that's just incompetent economics. Mm. But we don't know if that five cents is because of discrimination. It okay. could be some other factor. You know, what, if you what other factor? Well, for example, men, someone looked very carefully at nurses because it's infuriating to feminists. They see male nurses on average earn more. And that makes them mad because that's even in a traditionally female field, here you have male nurses making more. Hmm. But uh, a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, nurse, nurse science, <laughs> looked into this and saw that uh, men are overrepresented in the higher paying specialties, like nurse anesthesiology. Uh, she also found that they're willing to commute longer distances, move to new places where you earn more, they'll, they'll relocate more readily, hmm. and they'll work different shifts, you know, all night shifts, so they're willing, so there you know, were four or five things that explained that difference, and then when she did those controls, there wasn't a gap left. Nice. But um, why don't feminists do that? They yeah. just don't do it. Once in a while they'll do it by accident, like the American Association of University Women, and I wrote about this in the Huffington Wait, why Post. why don't they check their facts? Is that what you're saying? They did check their facts, and they hired a good economist, and they, they got it down to she, she actually, I don't even know if they wrote that in the study, but she said on NPR, well, it turns out there's about five cents we can't explain or six cents we can't explain. And hmm. She says, we think that could be discrimination. She thinks it could be, but she doesn't know. Hmm. Now, I'm still enough of a feminist and I'm willing to think there's, you know, there could be, surely there are pockets of, rea you know, reactionary politics and sexism. But overall, in you know, American society, women have the best chance of earning as much as they want if they're willing to go into the fields, work the hours, and have the flexibility. They still use all those um, sensational statistics in textbooks today? Yeah, well, I haven't seen the, uh, the, I think that the one that I and others were able to stop was the, the anorexia, this false claim. But the... Um, the one in five. One in five is still there about uh, rape. And that's not accurate. That statistic is unknown. The best data we have comes from the Bureau of Justice Statistics. Hmm. They don't play games and they don't have an agenda. They just have statisticians who do the best crime research probably in the world. And they, they actually looked at the campus and found that for rape and sexual assault, the figure was more like one in 53, not one in Four. Still bad. One in five. Now, that's right. One in 53 is still bad. Hmm. Um, but it's, 
so different from one in four. This is what frustrates me about these fake statistics. Not only do they manipulate young women into uh, radicalism, yeah. but they take attention away from real problems. The re this most serious problem right now, or at least an addressable problem with rape, are these uh, the police and rape kits and getting the you know DNA samples and tracking down these you know absolutely vile, uh, dangerous criminals. That's neglected, and we're spending all this money at places like well, you know, Swarthmore or Wesleyan or Yale for you know to protect the women at, on that campus from the young men. And now, and they, they get high figures because. What are they, they spending money on? Vast numbers of intervention, you know, rape uh, uh, workshops and counselors. And I, I just heard the other day that uh, places like. Harvard and Columbia, and so they're now every year hiring just vast networks of rape counselors and sexual assault facilitators and and people to come in as trainers and more Title IX officers to address a problem that has been exaggerated out of all proportion where because should, of a where, theory. Where should they put the money? Well, first of all. They should they should put the money into something if they want to address the problem of rape Then they should put the money probably into community programs where there are high high levels mm. and To put it into programs that we know work okay. Rape kits work. The other thing that works on campus is um, People they don't like to hear this because it goes against the theory but the uh, New England Journal of Medicine did a fantastic study on what could actually bring down the levels of sexual assault hmm. on campus was uh, alcohol awareness you know in freshman year and uh, learning how to protect yourself do you think the um, the accusers should not be anonymous oh that's a good question I think if the accusers are their names are going to be uh, kept private then I think that the accused's name should be kept private until proved guilty. Right. Okay. And then that then, way, like reputations aren't getting destroyed. Right. But reputations right now, and over a hundred like young like men. Worse than the actual punishment. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. And it's 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 psychologically uh, so destructive. And yeah. I've talked to these young men. We don't have to do that. It's not it's not helping. So people will say, well, why do you worry about a few young men when all these women are being attacked? Mm -hmm. First of all, they've exaggerated the level of attack. Mm -hmm. Alcohol awareness and hookups are usually freshman years where there's a lot of miscommunication, a lot of stupid, bad behavior. But it's not like culpable evil, you know, of the sort we want very much to right. protect ourselves from. Of course, yeah. But so young men who are otherwise good people, but they get into the, the system. And uh, these, these people that are adjudicating the cases provide the, the panels. You have these disciplinary panels, these sex courts hmm. on most campuses now. And they're given materials that are full of propaganda. And they say, oh, women almost never lie. So you have to presume she's telling the truth. Well, that's, we don't, we don't, that, our entire legal system is based on the presumption of innocence. And the burden of proof is on the, you know, you have to mm -hmm. prove beyond a reasonable doubt or, well, they've lowered the threshold now and say, well, 
if it's more likely that he did it than not, you know, it's just they've lowered the threshold. Yeah. So you can just find find him guilty and ruin his life. So this, I've watched this happen, and it, I, but but it's all along. It's these twisted theories and these bogus statistics, and they've driven people crazy. And now, if you question them, people think that you're you're uh, an apology, a rape apologist, or mm -hmm. that you hate women or you're, something. You're blaming the victim. Blaming the victim. Yeah. So then you know you. People. That's why I, I people demonstrate when I go and speak on campuses. I was just at Lewis and Clark College, and I wasn't. It was a law school, and I couldn't finish my talk. And they were they were chanting, and you know they were they were mad at you, furious. And they ran to the stage, and and, and they now let me say the majority of the students, conservative and progressive, were were nice and wanted to hear me talk. Okay. And you know they might have disagreed with me. I'm a philosophy professor. I'm happy to be disagreed with. I changed my mind. Show me evidence and, you know, good arguments, and I changed my mind. I have changed my mind on things. Uh, they don't, they, they, this small group now that's in colleges, they don't, they, they're fanatical and they don't change their mind and they just get furious at you if you even suggest they could be wrong. I think that's a terrible mindset hmm. for a, a young person. Right. Have you heard of M.G. Tao? No. Men going their own way. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I, th I always thought it was MGTOW. <laughs> I don't know. I never wanted <laughs> yeah, yeah. to say <laughs> What What do you think of that? Uh, that's too much of an overreaction. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's not, it's radical. It's radical. And sometimes, I don't say all, but in some of the men's rights groups, they're sort of the mirror image of the radical women's groups. Mm. They have, you have to be careful not to become bitter and not to indulge in propaganda. And I think... I could be wrong about this, but because um, I don't have there, no one has studied this. But uh, my son tells me well, one's married, but the ones that it's in New York and dating. He says mostly there's nice girls out there, mm -hmm. and you know, once in a while you'll run into um, an, an avenging, angry feminist, extreme feminist, and he just you know <laughs> says okay, <laughs> goes the other way. Just so you can go the other way from angry women, but most ang women aren't angry. Most right. women Majority. like men and yeah. want to be friends and, and have a boyfriend. <laughs> How much money do you make now? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a, yeah, should guys pay on the first date? Yes, absolutely. Okay. When the truth is found to be 